Welcome to the Grace City Tampa podcast. My name is Alex Damari. Me and my wife, Brianna, are the lead pastors. Our vision is to lead people into a life-transforming relationship with Jesus Christ. We pray that today's podcast will build you up, lift your faith, and encourage you in the journey. Here's the message. Week seven. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. Blessed are those who persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. In the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So these beatitudes, blessed are those. Blessed. This word blessed, we've talked about it many times, simply means happiness, not based on our surroundings, happiness based on the Lord. Contentment in this life. Fullness of joy in this life. These beatitudes always start off with a challenge. Jesus, one of his very first sermons, starts these great beatitudes off and lays down some serious challenges for all of us. Sometimes that can be off-putting. I would rather know like the end goal before I know the challenge, but Jesus gives these great challenges. But the beauty of the Beatitudes is the challenges are always followed up by a promise. We have to lean into that today. It's gonna be abrasive today. It's gonna be hard to hear the Beatitudes. It's a challenge. But the beauty is these challenges are followed up by a promise. And he's a promise fulfilling kind of God, isn't he? Isn't he church? So it's the seventh beatitude, Matthew 5, 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. The number seven in the Jewish culture means completion. So this would have been what everyone was waiting for. When Jesus read these, or when he spoke these beatitudes, the culture, everyone would have been waiting for number seven to arrive at the finale, the completion, the fullness of the statement he's gonna bring. And in so many ways, it is an incredible finale. I'll come back to that. Lastly, I wanna read Ephesians 4, three through six. It says this, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. Everyone say bond of peace. There is one body, one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, through all, and in all. He's over all, through all, and in all. He's in every step we take. He's right there. He's consistent. He's faithful. And we can trust in that. Let's pray one more time before the preaching of God's word. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's alive and active. I pray it would speak to us. Anoint ears to hear all that they need to hear and be transformed from the inside out today. Anoint my voice to speak it, Lord. Let them be your words rather than mine. Bless every person. And Lord, let this be a game changer kind of Sunday in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Have you ever come to the end of a season in desperate need of peace? Or even like coming to the end of a work day in desperate need of like a decompression moment? I'm alone up here, it's just me. 
Have you ever come to the end of like a hard time? You've been going hard, you've been grinding, and you're like, all I need is to lay on a lazy boy recliner and just kick back and relax. I need some peace in my life. Anybody else? There was a, a season of time when I first became a creative pastor in Puyallup, Washington, where we were grinding. The first year we were there, we bought our first house, we had our first child, we launched a campus. I mean, we were going hard, building ministry. And it was about two years, and I had not taken a single vacation. I was just grinding. I love church too much. I was even telling Kenzie before service, I go, I don't even want, I haven't taken a Sunday off since we've started. I know that's crazy. I've taken vacation, don't worry. I'm like, I just don't want to miss it. You know what I'm saying? I just love Grace City, Tampa. I don't want to miss it. But I will be taking a couple Sundays off. Don't worry. Um, but I remember this season. It was such a hard grinding season. And we were doing church. And, and ministry was expanding. And church kept going. We launched two campuses. And I was getting to the end of myself. I needed a break. I needed some peace. So I was getting ready for this vacation. It was a 10-day vacation to San Diego and to Palm Springs. We were bringing my parents for some child care, free child care. Holler at you. It's amazing. And I remember being so excited. I was like pushing hard, getting ready, because this was going to be the breaking point where peace took place in my life. We get on the plane. It was chaotic, but I didn't care. We got to the hotel. I sat back, and here I am. I've made it to peace. We got some great food that night. That night, I even went down and sat in the hot tub by myself, just took a deep breath, and thank you, God. I've made it. I've arrived. So it was the next morning I woke up, and we all wanted to go to the pool, and Emerson was maybe about two years old at this time. And so we went down to this pool. There was a little kid's slide. I got up on the slide with Emerson and helped him down, kind of slipped at the top, went down. My foot got caught at the bottom of the slide, and it absolutely shattered my bone. The first day of vacation shattered it. Had to get emergency surgery, six screws in a plate. They had to open up the other side and remove a torn ligament and reattach it. It was the worst vacation of my life. Instead of relaxing and like make, having good experiences, going to movies, going to Disneyland, all the things, I was literally sitting on the couch for eight days with painkillers in a lot of pain after surgery. It was a terrible vacation. And it ended up becoming one of the worst seasons of my life that I've ever experienced. I've never faced depression or anxiety, but in that time, I sunk real deep. And it was one of the most hard seasons. I just wanted a break. I just wanted peace in my life. And yet, all of a sudden, there I am in one of the deepest, darkest holes I had ever been in in my life. What was meant to bring the most peace in my life, the climax of my last season came crashing down and it became the lowest point. The doctor even told me it's going to be 20 weeks before you could put any pressure on your leg. Even last worship night, I was dancing, and I felt that thing light up, Bobby. I was like, we're going too hard, you know? <laughs> but we all do this, don't we? We all run to TV. We all run to social media. We run to the weekend longing for just a glimpse and just a taste of peace. We wait for vacations. We hope that maybe going, going out with friends, hanging out, whatever we can do, the things that we cope with, the decompression moments, are going to bring us peace. And church, I'll say this, we live in a world that's in constant chaos. 
And we all just want a little bit of peace. Like we have wars going on around the world, shootings, racial injustice, hatred, malice. And I know I'm not just speaking for myself when I say, I wish sometimes we could just jump on the news and it was the Good News Network and all it was was good stories. Like I wish we could just see peace. Anybody else? But hear me, church. I'm convinced now more than ever that real peace isn't the absence of something in your life. It will only ever be found in God. Real peace isn't the absence of something in your life. It's not the weekend. It's not disconnecting from reality. It's not finding substances. You will never find real peace in anything other than God. Amen, church. The Bible calls this kind of peace shalom. Shalom simply means peace, harmony, wholeness, completeness, prosperity, welfare, and tranquility. So blessed are the peacemakers. You know, this sermon, when I went to study it and decide what I was going to preach on, it would have been a whole lot easier if, when I read the, the scripture, if it would have said, blessed are the peaceful. Because I could have just anchored on that point that, yep, you just got to be peaceful. Peaceful means free of disturbance or tranquil. But no, Jesus was specific in his challenge in the Beatitudes. This isn't blessed are the peaceful, it's blessed are the peacemakers. When we're looking for completion, he's saying you have to make peace. See, peace mean, peacemakers means to do or make or to give life to. So not welcoming peace like we all wish we could, right? But actually creating it and making it. Peacemaking is a whole lot different than keep, peacekeeping. We're not Switzerland in the midst of all the wars going on in the world, just trying to keep the peace, being the absent in the moment, like, yep, just, just keep your peace. We actually have to cultivate it. We actually have to create this thing called peace. Jesus says, you want to walk in supreme blessings? You want to experience the true happiness that I have for you in this life? It's not just a free gift. It's a cultivated gift. It's actually still a gift. Aren't you thankful that it's a gift? But this is a gift that's accessible through cultivation. You actually need to make peace happen. This last week, we attempted chore charts with our kids. We've done this a couple times in their life. And, you know, we start it when they're too young and then they lose interest in a day. But I made these awesome sheets. Our kids do all these things. They got six different things they can do a day. And they get a quarter for each checkbox that they get, right? I know I'm generous, but inflation's going crazy. So get off my back. But... We started these chore charts. I hung them on the wall. They look amazing. And Evelyn, I get home from work on Monday. And I go to her sheet and she's like, Dad, look what I did. And she colored in every single box on that thing and did some flowers and some beautiful colors. It was amazing. Come on, Evie. Good job. And Cove, he, you know, it, this last week, it only lasted maybe two days. He did a couple check boxes and he was done with it. Emerson was a little more consistent. I think he made $1.50 this last week doing his chores. You know, we're trying to like help them learn and want to do it and not just always have to do it. They still clean, but they're not going to get the money if we got to make them do it. You know what I'm saying? But it was so funny that Evelyn, she comes to me and she goes at the end of the week, she goes, do I get my money now? I was like, Evelyn, you didn't do anything. And she holds up the sheet and she goes, but dad, look at all the check boxes. Look what I did. I was like, girl, no. So I think oftentimes we approach peace just like Evie. We hope that regardless of what we do, that we'll just receive peace like a gift from God because it's a gift. 
Like whatever I want to do, whatever I want to fill my time with, whatever I can color in with my efforts and make it seem like it's all good. And still I hope at the end I'm just going to get this gift of peace. But Jesus says it's the people that make it, create it, put effort in, give life to, that will experience peace. See, we will experience this supreme blessedness that God offers. So how do we live as peacemakers? Three really quick points for you. First of all, peace is accessible. Apart from Christ, we can't experience true peace. This is a bit of a, a theological basis for us to understand that in Romans 5.1, it says you have been made right with God because of our faith. So it's available to us because of what Jesus did on the cross. Are you with me, church? See, we have access to God, the author of peace. We have access to the Prince of Peace. We have access to the Holy Spirit, who is the comforter, who brings peace. And faith is the key. When we lock in this great thing called faith and we understand and we believe in our hearts that he is there and that he has died on the cross for us, we now are made right with God and peace is accessible. Do we understand this today? See, through God's great generosity and the gift of Jesus, peace is truly available to us. Number two, peace is accessible. Let me explain. Prayer is the access point to awaken peace in our lives. So it's available because of what Jesus said on the cross. It's accessible through prayer. Philippians 4, 6 through 7 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer. Everyone say prayer. prayer. And petition. Say petition. petition. With thanksgiving. Say thanksgiving. thanksgiving. Present. Say present. present. Your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Let me break this scripture down very fast for you. Prayer is our approach to God to enable peace. Then it says this, by prayer, so prayer is our conversation with God, and petition, petition is asking of God. With thanksgiving, thanksgiving is simply praising in advance. Then it says to present, present means to have clarity before God. Do we see this today? The beauty of what's laid out for us, peace is accessible through prayer. So through what Christ did, we see that peace is available. Through prayer, peace is accessible. And lastly, this one's going to hurt a little bit. Are you ready for it? This one moves away from necessarily the, the theological basis of who we understand we are because of who Jesus is. Now this one we need to understand as the outworking is this. Peace is awakened. And opposition is the tester of peace. Opposition is the tester of peace. You won't know if you have true peace until you come up against opposition. If you're not facing opposition, you'll have no idea if you really got true peace or if you just have peace that the world offers. You won't know if you're just decompressed on the weekends or you won't know if it's actually God until you experience opposition in your life. John 16, says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. What a great promise, Jesus. Thanks for that. But take heart. I've overcome the world. See, we have to actually, we've actually been promised hardships and difficulties. And wouldn't you agree that oftentimes the, it's the biggest oppositions in our life that push us closer to God? Those massive things that happen in our life, we long for God. I remember 9-11, one of the biggest oppositions that our, our nation has faced. I remember that weekend so clearly 
because our entire church, my parents' church, was full that weekend. These big opposition things push us closer to God. But you know what's interesting? The small oppositions cause us to drift most often. Oh, yeah, it's just a, it's a small temptation. It's a small thought. It's like, I, I made a bad choice. I did this thing, and you just keep drifting off the, off the course. I want to challenge us to remember the fact that God has overcome this world. The big things and the small things. And he has overcome it. So when I read the seventh beatitude, I first read it as this idea that we're meant to make peace with others. Yeah, we're meant to be peacemakers and then we'll be called the children of God, which I absolutely believe is the case. But the more I examine the scripture, I came to the conclusion that you can't make peace with others if you haven't made peace with yourself. And you can't give shalom unless you have shalom. And I challenge us today, church, that we would pursue this, that we would understand the accessibility, the availability, that we would awaken peace in our lives so that when we do and make it, the next obvious step in this whole thing is to offer peace to others. See, this is the Christ-like hands of feet Jesus reaction and response we're to have. And that's where Ephesians 4, 3 through 6 comes in that I read earlier. Let me read it again. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, just as you were called one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, Father of all, who is over all, through all, in all. So let's explain this. Unity happens through the bond of peace. This word bond simply means to join together. You imagine it like super gluing together. Imagine it like a great strong Velcro coming together, linking together, being inseparable. When we bond ourselves, we're fastening together. So through peace, we now have unity in the body of Christ. And when we choose peace with people, we enable unity. We have to lean into this unity with others in Christ. And this enables us and empowers us to be strong as a body of believers. I know I'm taking you on a long rabbit trail. I promise I'm going to land this plane in just a second. See, when we don't link up in unity with other brothers and sisters in Christ, James 3, 16 through 18 takes place. For where you have envy, selfish ambition, where you find disorder in every evil practice, but the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy, and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. I know I'm taking you on a long rabbit trail, but here we go. Through our intentional unity and through making peace, we reap righteousness, meaning right standing with God. So this peace is so much greater than just a break. This peace is so much greater than just a relief from a hard season or a hard time or, or a struggle we're going through or a hard relationship. This peace leads us to bond together in unity with others, which leads us to right standing with God. Are you with me, church? I know that's a long way to get there, but we have to understand the power of unity and what that means for us in the body of Christ. I remember leading worship 
at this youth camp years ago. I was 18 years old. They asked me to come out for a week and just lead worship for all the sessions. And they would break off and they would do all these tribe wars during the day. And so I would just go watch them. I'm not involved in that stuff. I'm just here to lead worship, you know. But they would get out there and do all these crazy things, run around in the mud, hurt each other, break bones, all these things. I remember this one time they were doing tug of war. And they picked these two people to be the team captains. The football captain and then this small girl. And I was like, guys, what are you doing? The football captain picked all of his best friends, all the football team. This small girl picked all of her friends. I'm going to leave that there. Fill in the gaps. She grabs all her friends. So they get a moment to huddle. The football players are all just joking around, laughing about how they're going to crush them, of course. We're going to crush them. The other team, I remember so vividly, gathering up, putting their arms around each other, and talking about what they're going to do. So all of a sudden, it's getting ready for this thing to start. One minute countdown. The biggest guy on the small girl's team gets up, runs over, and ties the rope around his waist. The other team's just standing there laughing, joking. Then all of a sudden, everybody gets a great angle, and they all, like, link up together. And in a moment, they started that thing. It lasted maybe 20 seconds. And the girls' team crushed the football players. I remember being so mind-blown. It was such a crazy moment. But it's wild what happens when you actually have unity between each other. See, these guys, the football players, had all this discord. They didn't even care. They were just kind of up in their own, their own world, selfish ambition, envy. They didn't care. They're just going to crush them. But when we're unified, it's unstoppable what God can do through us. So we're called to live in unity with other believers around us. We're called to bond ourselves together, to be able to come up against disunity, to come up against the world, which is the peace stealer, to come up against the ways of the enemy, and to live with supreme blessings. And this happens at the ultimate level when we access peace for ourselves and we bond ourselves together in peace. It'd be a shame on June 19th to not mention Juneteenth, which is today. It's the second year of celebrating uh, this great day of freedom. And this day became a nationally recognized holiday um, last year. It was in 1863 when Abraham Lincoln spoke the Emancipation Reclamation, which declared the end of slavery. But it took two and a half years before the word spread for whatever reason. And on June 19th, 1865, the Union troops spread the news to the enslaved in Texas that they were officially freed. This, in my mind, being one of the most important moments in the history of our nation when it comes to unity, is actually so important. And it's a shame it took this long to actually for us to recognize it as a nation, but I speak this today. It, it took a long time to come to the place to maybe start taking steps towards finding unity. And I wouldn't say that we're, we've arrived, but we're taking steps as a nation, which is great. And it's wild that we would call ourselves the United States. And maybe the ideas behind the states were united, but all the while what the country was built on was so disunified between all men. And I love the power of this day and we need to celebrate this day because it really does help us understand that we need to live in unity, support each other before each other in every single way. And Grace City Tampa will always be the house that is built on that kind of unity. Amen. Amen, church.
The sad thing is our nation is still very, very broken and disunified. You talk to Republicans, Democrats, they stand so far divided that sometimes they can't even find unity on even the things that they like to do in life. They just are so opposing. We watched a YouTube video two weeks ago where this guy was calling Democrats demons. And I was like, what is happening in this world today? It's wild, the disunity that takes place with people's beliefs, with people's ideals. See, I believe as children of God, we need to go out of our way to be peace bringers in every single situation. I don't care if you're Republican. I don't care if you're Democrat. I don't care where you stand in your ideals. Can I tell you this? It should have nothing to do with your first call, which is to unify believers and bring peace to everyone around you. We need to be peacemakers in the world today. We got to be peacemakers. So when we experience peace, we bring people back to unity in Jesus. And then you will live in supreme happiness. So the second half of this, I'm going to invite the band up as I conclude with the second half. It says... Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. We understand the power of peace brings unity and righteousness in our lives. The second half is this. They will be called the children of God. What an interesting promise. The, the first challenge almost already has a promise to it, doesn't it? Blessed are the peacemakers. You, when you make peace happen, when you create peace, you will live in peace and you will have a supreme blessedness in your life. But simply understand this, first of all, I think a great way to look at it is God is the God of peace and Jesus is the Prince of peace and we are called to be the children of that. We're meant to learn from that and, and outwork that. But also, I told you in the beginning that the seventh beatitude is an incredible finale. Now, it's not the last beatitude, but it's a very strong statement Jesus makes right here. See, this is a huge, huge statement. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they'll be the children of God. This is a huge statement. You're talking one of Jesus' main goals of coming to earth was to bring the kingdom of heaven on earth, to open up accessibility to every single person on the planet. But in the time that Jesus would have been talking and saying this, this wouldn't have been the message of the times. See, in these times, you were either God's holy chosen people, descendants of God's holy chosen people, or you weren't. You were either Israelite or you weren't. So all of these people would have been excluded in the Israelized eyes because they weren't God's people. Yet Jesus makes a statement, the seventh statement. You see the power of this. It's the complete statement. He says, now all can be children of God when they have peace and create peace with each other. This is the moment that breaks the first wall that only circumcised can be the children of God. He breaks down the wall of traditional belief and says, all can now have accessibility. The seventh statement of completion opens the door to everyone. It wouldn't have made sense in the moment to them. But to us, with the whole understanding of the gospel, it makes complete sense. You know, last week, when Ryan preached, he talked about the story of Peter when, when Jesus said, if you love me, feed my sheep. The heart of the Father is his people. And 
we get to be the hands and feet of Jesus. So the power of us being in unity with one another, loving each other is Jesus' great command. Making disciples, loving them, feeding the sheep. He's called us into this great unity. It kind of says it this way in Romans 8, 14 through 17. I know there's a lot of scripture today, but I would rather it be God's words than my words. So, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are His children, then we are heirs and heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ if we indeed share in His sufferings in order that we might share in His glory. I love this beautiful statement. This is our inheritance. This is our promise. We are the sons and daughters of the Most High God. We have to claim that promise today, amen? We gotta live that out. We can actually make peace. And I love the last line, if we indeed share in his sufferings in order that we may share in his glory. Thanks again for the great promise from the word of God today, but this is the reality. Peace is accessible, peace is available, and peace is awakened in opposition. In 2 Corinthians 13, 11, I wanna read this one last scripture and I promise I'll be done talking. It says this, finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice. Strive for full restoration. Encourage one another. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. Could you stand to your feet? Why wow, I love this scripture so much. There should actually be joy. And when we strive for this full restoration and encourage one another to be of one mind and live in peace, says the God of love and peace will be with you. This unity together, this making of peace opens up the opportunity for God to be in the midst of it. It's a dying to self tell people in, in pre-marriage counseling all the time, like, if you want a great marriage, you better be willing to lay down your entire life for your spouse. Because if you keep any of it for yourself, you're going to always be trying to fill your own void, then fill the other person's void. And when both sides give 100%, there's completion of love. And the challenge for us today is that we would do and make peace happen in ourselves and among all men. And that we would walk in the inheritance that God has for us. Is that okay? I ask you to close your eyes. You know, there might be somebody in this room that came and you hear me talking about all this and I, I brought up this idea that first of all, peace is available. And I said, it's available through Jesus and what he did on the cross. And it's available through faith. Now you might not have seen God. You might have heard of Jesus, but maybe you're in this room and you're realizing that you haven't taken that very first step. And 
And I'll remind you that if you haven't taken the first step into the peace that God offers to you, in that fact of faith in God, you'll never have true peace in your life. And it's accessible through Jesus and what he did on the cross. I'm just gonna count to three and we just wanna give an opportunity for anybody in the room that wants to give their life to Jesus or maybe just rededicate your life to Jesus. You've been walking a lifestyle and living a lifestyle that maybe isn't one that you say you've been following after God. Your, your actions are speaking louder than your words and today you just wanna rededicate your life. So one, know that God loves you so much gave his one and only son for you that you might know life in this life and life in the next number two the bible says that today is the day of salvation you don't need to wait any longer god has so many incredible things to offer to you and it's this first step of faith that leads you to that three if that's you would you raise your hand come on sleep a moment i see your hand i see your hand come on i see your hand I see your hand. Come on, can we celebrate people raising their hands in the house today? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Well, if you just raise your hand, I just want to encourage you. You can take some time after service. Come and talk to me. Talk to somebody at our connections table. And we want to give you the next steps in this faith journey. The second thing I want to I want to ask everyone and invite you to just want to invite you to be peacemakers this great challenge in front of us to be makers of peace cultivators of peace creators of peace it lies in front of us and this is our great challenge today from the seventh beatitude so would you just all raise your hands i know this is kind of maybe different and sometimes i know in church you're like what are you making me do raise my hands for it's just a simple act of surrender. Lord, right now, I thank you for every hand that is raised in this place. Lord, I pray that every person is encouraged and inspired this week to be a maker of peace. Lord, that in our relationships, in our friendships, at our places of business, with every person around us, Lord, I pray even for every person that they would make peace in themselves, that they would access this true shalom that you offer. Lord, I pray for peace upon peace. Let us make peace. Let us bring unity among all believers. And right now, Lord, I pray that we would reap a great harvest of righteousness, of right standing with you. Lord, I pray for every saint in the house today. Lord, let us be peacemakers in a world that is destructive and disunified. Let us be the anchors of peace. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we said amen, amen, amen. Come on, let's sing this one more time together. Thank you for listening to the Grace City Tampa podcast. Stay tuned for more weekly messages from our church.